Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas. People, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village, the award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007 or find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. And yet another episode of Inside Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Dennis Simpson joining me today and Randy when he comes back later this week, hopefully, was Mr. Rick Marshall. Rick, you've been on with us a couple of times. Good to see you again, buddy. Thank you. Good to see you. It looks like you're struggling through the summer weather somehow. Well, actually, a little bit. It's 98 right now. And it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of a struggle to keep the AC going. but It's it's a better 98 than it was two weeks ago when it was 98 and real high humidity, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I tell you what, let's start off with what makes, as a guy who's sold real estate and been around the country, been around the United States a lot, what makes Hot Springs Village a great investment? Is there some magical formula? What is it? There is. It's called supply and demand. Mm. Um, not every area has what we have to offer. We, I mean, it obviously starts with the part of the country that we're in, mm-hmm. where we've got almost ideal weather in the, the seasons and um, just having a variety. We still have the four, four seasons, but we've got a pretty long stretch there between March and October where we really have some, you know, even getting into the milder weather you know, spring and fall are beautiful here. So I think that's probably the first thing is just our location. Um, we have uh, favorable taxes. We're uh, typically uh, regularly, I should say, um, in the top 10 in the country when they do these surveys of saying how, you know, we're we're a tax favorable state to be in. Um, we have all the amenities, of course, in the village and um You've covered this a million a million times, so I won't go into all of it. But obviously, twenty six thousand acres, eleven lakes, nine golf courses, all the different amenities, low cost of living, uh, proximity to other amenities, whether it's Little Rock or Hot Springs. Um, we're gated. Uh, people now can do remote work from the village, and you know a lot more companies allowing that. So. Supply and demand is really driving people to the village. They've gotten squeezed out of some of these cities where they just can't afford to be there, or they've decided to cash in. And yeah. when you can you can trade down and and uh, get twice for your, of the bang for your buck, or put half the money in your pocket and have the same thing, that's not such a bad trade. So a lot of folks are moving into the area. We're still seeing a lot of that. But as an investment, um, as long as more people want to come here than we have uh, lots and homes available, 
the prices will go up because it's a good investment. Well, for me, it's always about then these points are excellent. I have no argument whatsoever. I get your point on every one of them. There are there is ancillary information on every one of these. And I want to kind of go back to it. You know, the weather. Yes, it gets warm, but it, the winters are very mild. Uh, I had a friend in Houston who said he loved Arkansas because there were, as you say, four seasons. Uh, I don't know if you know, but some of the original settlers that came to Arkansas would write letters back to the old country, to to Germany and, and some of the European countries they came from. And they were bragging that they could get two crops a year. <laughs> and and what would you do with all that money and food that you got from two crops a year? It, it was a plethora. It was a it was a, you know, a paradise. You know, it was just incredible. Yeah. Um, and, and we had Brad Beaumont on, on the, sh- not on the show yet, but we want to, but Brad's from South Cal- uh, uh, California. Uh, and he emailed me before he moved here and asked a lot of questions. And one of them was it, it rains like 70 to 75 inches a year. Is it ever, is it ever clear? Is it ever not cloudy? And, and I didn't understand that. I really seriously didn't understand that until we went to California about this time last year. And I realized it, when we were in long beach, it rained. Now I'm using air quotes to you that are listening. It rained. And I was like, it, a few clouds came up and it drizzled for 30 minutes that when does it rain? You know, and when it rains here, you don't have to wonder if it rained it, you know, we will get two inches in a day or up to three or four in a day sometimes. But that said, it's still just so very mild. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um, I'm was born and raised in Seattle. So the, the rainy place to be, right? <laughs> um, and it rains eight inches more in Hot Springs Village per year than Seattle, Washington. Are you serious? I had no I'm idea. Dead serious. Problem is, Seattle is gray and misting nine months of the year. So Hot Springs Village has 60 more days of sunshine than Seattle does, even though it gets eight more inches of rain. So fascinating. When we get it, we get it. It comes but, on down. Uh, it comes down, it comes down. And then it's, it's mild. We get, you know, a little bit of snow, um, you know, last couple of winters have been a little bit unique, but other than that, we just don't get very much. Um, I'll share a, a little screen share here with you that I thought was kind of interesting that kind of for those folks that aren't familiar with, um, our climate. I mean, yeah, we've got a little bit of muggy weather right dead center, um, in, in July and a little bit into June and August, but that tourism score, that 6.3 on the screen there, that is ideal weather conditions for those who may be wanting to tour. And so that period from May to June and August into October is saying that that's idyllic weather. Uh, if you could pick perfect weather, those two periods of time would be the best. Being a little too warm in July and August, most of us you know, put up with it. Um, just run the air conditioner a little bit more. But mm-hmm. other than that, look at the how even into October and November. I mean, I, I remember a few years ago, it was 80 degrees on Christmas Day, you know, so yeah. we do get, you know, we get we get some some bipolar weather in, in Arkansas and, and it can change from day to day, as we all know. Yeah, I but, was going to say one of the pardon me for interrupting, but I was going to say I've, I've noticed you know, we, we, we run Airbnbs here and I'm always looking at what people's season is, you know, from when to when is really the season that you do that. And I, I, we basically go from March to November. I mean, that's our season. You know, Rick, sure. you and I both will be out here on the boat this fall in November 
puttering around the lake and maybe even December on a few nice days. Now, January and February, January is a little cooler. February is typically cool. I, you know what? I don't know if you know that in February, I actually have to cover my plants out here so they don't freeze. What is up with that? Right? Right, right. In the South. In the yep. South, right? But for yeah. the majority of it, like you say, it's extremely temperate. Right. So, I mean, just with that factor alone, when, when, when I see people that have come in and they're, they're sampling hot springs village, they're comparing it against Tennessee, North Carolina, they're kind of checking out that, um, that latitude line of, Hey, we don't want to be down on the Gulf. We don't like the hurricanes. Um, at the same time, we don't be too far North where it's chilly and we've got, we're right in that zone of, of nice temperate weather. Probably 15 years ago, I had a gentleman come out here and I was giving him a tour and showing him some properties here. And he was a mechanic in New Jersey. And it was, it was late, it was early spring, early spring. And he said, and we were, you know, it was 4.30 outside and we were walking around looking at some properties. And he said, is your watch right? And I said, yeah, it's probably 4.30. I mean, do we need to step it up or is there something? He said, no, no. He said, you know, I'm really sensitive in this. I wanted to talk about the, you and this with Seattle. He said, I'm really sensitive to, to SADS, you know, seasonal affected disorder when you don't get enough daylight or whatever. And he said, back in New Jersey, it gets dark at 415 this time. And I was like, what? Uh-huh. And, and you talk about that latitude thing. I'm like, yep. it, it's not just a heat thing. It's a amount of sunshine. It's the length of the day. It's, it's everything. I mean, how does that re- relate to, to Seattle and so forth? It's the same thing. Yeah. SADS is, is a serious deal in Washington state and the further North you go. I mean, Alaska, where you get two or three hours of sunshine in the winter, um, that'd be yeah. pretty hard for me to tolerate. So um, yeah, the weather here is to me, it's idyllic. Um with all the amenities that we've got, it, it just provides the initial environment for an investor to say, hey, this is an area where one, I could live, two, I could have a vacation property, could run an Airbnb because those are destination locations. They're mm-hmm. desirable for people to go to um, year round. With good and tourism so, scores, with good tourism scores. With good tourism stores uh, scores, that's right. Um, now, some people might be asking, is it a little too late? We've had some pretty serious run-up in values the last couple um, of years. If I was a seller in that in this situation, I would definitely be thinking about, um, if I was planning on selling my home in the next year or two, right now we may have seen the apex. I mean, we may just have seen the, the peak in the market value-wise or be very close to it. With all that's going on macro throughout the United States, we've got the run-up in interest rates, we've got uh, inventories are now climbing, the overheated markets of Boise and Phoenix and uh, Seattle and Atlanta and Austin, Texas, those areas are already seeing declines. So they have already crested and have started back down. Austin, Texas in the last two months has seen a 6% drop. Really? and that's in a two month period, you make that annual, that's a 36% drop. So, (laughs) well, but their, their median sale prices are over 600,000. Now it's, it's gotten just so overheated and those markets that have seen the skyrocketing values that are just not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not sustainable. They're They're, not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. They're um, when you're, you go from three or four times an annual earnings 
of a person to the purchase price of the house as being fairly standard. And some of these markets are 12 times their annual earnings. And, and it's just, it's more than people can do. And with, when the interest rates adjust up, it just further squeezes them. So you've got the high value and the high interest rate. That's a bad combination for folks to keep up. I heard a lady in California area that was on Marketplace, a public radio broadcast, and they were asking her about the real estate market. And it was odd because typically they would do an interview like this, you know, back and forth, tay to tay. But she just had a kind of a dialogue. And she said, you know, this has been maybe three weeks ago, um, late July, early, early August. And she said, um, people were asking me, you know, did they, are they, is the market too high or am I paying too much? And she said back in January and February, when the things were just literally flying off the shelf in hours, bidding 20, 30, 50, 100,000 above list, uh-huh. that those were when they overpaid. And she said, it's hard to tell people, you, you've used this analogy before on our show here. It, it, you know, it's like driving with your rearview mirror. You're looking up, trying to know where you've been. And, and you're getting some other place so quickly, you can't see where that is. And, and my point here being that she, she pe- you know, people were concerned, am I paying too much now? She said, I, no, when the price, you know, eight months ago, six months ago, you were paying too much then, but you didn't ask me that then. Right. You just wanted to get the house now. You wanted to get the house now. H- how are people going to do it when it's 12 times earning? Is that why there's such a migration from coastal areas? Yes. And the areas right now, as we're recording this, the West Coast of the United States is seeing the adjustment already begin. The East Coast and the Southeast in particular hasn't really started to see it yet. We've still got some little bit of increase going on right now. Probably not going to be you know, much beyond this summer, but um, well, I'll share this statistic with you here real quick. While you're pulling that up, I do want to talk about taxes here in just a minute, too, because you brought that up earlier. Yeah. So this is March of 2022. Yeah, this is when interest rates were just they were still low under three percent. Rates took off. And and when I was on your program last, I mentioned, well, hey, for every one percent that interest rates go up, the theory is you qualify for 10 percent less on a loan that can directly impact the market values by that amount. Well, and I was speaking to someone this last week and they were saying, well, are you still shopping for properties? And I'm like, money has doubled. The cost of money has doubled. Now, don't get me wrong. Still in in perspective, it's not that bad. Right. Man, it's hard to look back three months and go, wow, we could have got this for half today, you know? Right. Well, in March, we had 63 sales in the village. Uh, In April, 73. May, I'm up. I'm backwards. 64, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, June 80. Wow. In July 68. So it was well, still well, strong. Well, but look at what happened to the values. We've actually gone up. Really? This is, this is median sales price. Okay. Half below, half above. Yeah. Explain the difference between average and medium, if you would. Sure. Um, obviously, if we've got a million dollar home that that sold as as one of those, it's going to skew the numbers if we just take all of the total volume and divide it by the number of units. That's okay. an average. Yep. But the but the median is the average. If you take out the the bottom 49% and the top 49% and you say this is this is the most common average uh sale, this is what you get. So it's a little bit more accurate feel for what's going on. You, you might that, literally call it the bell curve of sales. There you go. The highest you, and the lowest have been kicked out. And here's the middle part. Right. Now that DOM is days on market. 
Same thing. That's a median days on market. So you've got some stinkers that took 60 days to sell 60 yeah. days, right? That's forever in this market, <laughs> um, but took 60 days to sell. But the median number of days, because some of them are zero days or one day or two days, then the average, the, the, the median three days, four days, three days, four days, three days on the market has been very consistent March through last month. Things are still selling that fast. How, how do you, how do you, how do you justify or how, how do you explain, not justify, but how do you explain the, the average prices going up when on the coastal areas, they're going down where we always lag. Um, yeah. we're the last ones to go up and we're the, we'll be the last ones to go down. So, um, it just takes a little, the, you know, it takes a while to trickle down to us. Um, at the same time, um, that's a good thing because we can keep an eye on what's going on and you can tend to see what's coming and that gives us a little bit of an advantage. So that's why I was saying, if you're a seller, you, you may be close to the peak and maybe want to, if you're, if you've got an investment property and you want to sell now and see if there's a correction in the future, I still don't believe from an investment standpoint that we would have a huge issue here in the village. I mean, if we saw a 10%, um, decline, I think that would be at maximum. But some of these overheated markets are going to see 30, 40%. They'll, they'll see the crash of the 08. I know there's a lot of people saying that that's not going to happen. You got the Dave Ramseys that are saying it's, you know, go ahead and buy right now. There's no, yeah. no better time. But um, just some, some data, shout out to RE for real estate, Reventure Consulting on YouTube. Um, just some great videos, just nothing but statistics to kind of show where we are, where we're going. And those numbers do not look good right now. They're all kind of coming together that we have overheated and we are going to be softening, if not correcting somewhat. So, well, but I hear people say, and this is not a, a I've heard it number, numerous places, you know, we need millions of units and I see problems on the coast, understandably, where, and, and let's just call it what it is. Okay. We have NIMBY, not in my backyard. And, and what's the variation of that is uh, nothing in my backyard ever, nowhere, anytime. Which, right. And, you know, so then you, you wonder, you say, why are these markets so overheated? They absolutely refuse to let other units be built. So you're going to have a problem, right? I mean, it's a matter of time until demand catches up with you or your demand gets pushed off into neighboring cities of Tucson and Sacramento and Boise and other places that aren't that far, but aren't really in California. And and while we're on it, two things I wanted to talk about taxes. And when you're talking about investments, there's two things that really come to my mind, 1031 exchanges and the two of five. I want to talk about the two of five because that's something Diane and I have seriously considered. Well, I, I think all of those are are important, and you. And the first thing that I would advise is to talk to an accountant because those are, those <laughs> are not things. That I'm sleeping with one. Be. I'm sleeping with one. And she, well, that, <laughs> yep, and I'm sure she'll take good care of that. But <laughs> you know, when it comes to the the finances and and doing like a 1031 exchange, you can't make a mistake on those things. I mean, yeah, you've well, got to have. Let's explain to the to the to the lady what this is. The, the five mile have you. Yeah. Um, an investor uh, has the ability to defer a, a uh, defer their capital gains in from one transaction to another. So 
And there are very strict timelines. You have 45 days from selling a property to identify the next one. You can't touch the funds. They have to go to a qualified intermediary. Um, you have 180 days to close on that transaction. You can't miss it by a day. Um, any money that you touch during that, you void the entire thing. Mm. Money that is left over after a successful 1031 is called boot, um, as, a, as in pirates and booty. Mm -hmm. um, you would have to pay capital gains on that difference if you did it correctly. But if you don't do it correctly and you take money out during that transaction and touch it, um, it becomes 15% capital gains uh, taxable. So you don't want to do that. And there are such powerful strategies for protecting your money. You sell a home and you put it into a 1031 tax exchange. It goes into the next property. When you are ready to cash out, you can move into that investment property for two of the last five years becomes your principal residence. And you can then sell that tax-free as long as you're under the cap. But husband and wife, that's 500,000 profit before it's taxed. Yeah. So those, those are some big, significant tax advantages, but it's really important to know about them, get tax advice. I have seen people get bit by it and mm -hmm. the entire amount becomes taxable and you can lose a lot of money. Yeah, well, and, and let me break this up so that we don't sound confusing to people. The 1031 exchange, you know, I, I bought a house for $200,000. Thank you, the dear Lord. You know, several years later, I sell it for four hundred. dollars I can take that four hundred dollars and roll it into another property if I define it within 45 days and if I can close within 140, 180 days. But if I close at 181 days, I pay property, I pay capital gains on all that $300,000 right. or $200,000 that I earned. That's, That's right. That's one thing. That's the 1031 exchange. The other thing is basically building a home, living in it two of five years, two of any five years. That's and right. Then you come out of that property and you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to pay taxes on any gains that you made on that property. That's right. It doesn't even have to be the two consecutive years. It could be years really? one and five, and you've still got two of the last five, that 40% of the, of the time. And, and you, it's considered your, um, it's considered your principal residence, primary residence yeah. and you do not have to pay the, the capital gains on it. So some pretty good tax strategies. You could have multiple investment properties and go from one to the next and, and cash those out. So Diane had made note one time that she had never lived in a new house. And I'm like, well, this would be a way you could live in a new house for, for a couple of years before we right. sell, you know, sell it, but you could actually, how interesting. So and that doesn't mean you could live in it four or five. Is that correct? Oh, sure. Sure. Okay, or so, all five, but, but yeah, right. just as long as it's two at minimum. Well, and I've done some math just to throw this out to people that are thinking about it. It, it, it In the village, it's feasible. I'm not even going to go into the numbers because it, it's so variable, but it's feasible that you could buy a property, buy a lot, build a home, live in it for two years, and the tax savings on that lot and that property when you sell it, would basically let you live there for rent free for two years. It, think, it would work. I've, I've done the math reasonably, yeah. you know, plus or minus. So, you know, nobody says, Hey, how about living someplace rent free for two years? Now, you know, obviously if you do it three or four or five, you diminish, you still get the same, the same tax relief, but it's not over a two year period. It's over a four year period or, or whatever that you would do. Sure. So we, we talked about taxes. Come back and tell me the tax environment in Arkansas. Why would you, to an outside investor or outside 
uh, someone who's looking at property in the village, why would you say that? Yeah. And I'd be happy to, if somebody would like links to some of these things that we refer to, I'd be happy to email them links, but well, I'll, I'll, I'll have Randy put them in the show under the notes. Okay. Because one of those websites that's really good is Arkansas EDC, Edward David Charles. So Arkansas EDC, uh.com and it has all of the not only individual but corporate it's got all the taxes local state uh all of the impact uh for businesses and individuals are on that website for arkansas it's excellent um but uh the important the most important thing that it covers everyone is uh there's no state income taxes on social security i mean that's that's the huge one um, and obviously that's, uh, in addition to, uh, railroad pensions are also exempt. So are, um, what about military pensions? Somebody asked me about that the other day and I did not know the answer. Military pensions are as well are, are, are exempt. So you've got, um, there are a few federal, uh, pensions. My mother-in-law gripes because she was with, uh, Homeland security. And that was actually one that was not included, but. Um, but yeah, the majority of them are, are, uh, are, are a pass through you, you do not have to pay, uh, um, state income taxes on, on those, uh, on that income. So, well, uh, let, let, let's talk about real estate taxes too. What, what's the, how's that line up? Well, property taxes are extremely low in Arkansas. That's one of the biggest benefits. Now we've just got hit a little bit. We just got reassessed and people are a little bit uh, upset because they went up as much as they have, even with those adjustments, um, the formulation that they use the 20% number of fair market value. And then they, they tax off of that, um, because it is not a state, um, it's a, it's a local property tax revenue. It's really the schools is the, is the significant, uh, taxation, um, here in Arkansas. And so it's a low number. Yes, we have a personal property tax, doesn't add up to much on our vehicles. Um, we can go walk straight into the DMV and not have a line, you know, and, and that's where I'll, I'll, I'll pay my $50 or $80 in uh, vehicle property tax um, just for being able to walk into the DMV with no line. Did you say $50? Did you see, because I saw on a, uh, a social media page leaving California that one guy walked in and, and he said he came to Arkansas and got his tags done. He didn't have to get an appointment. I'm like, who gets an appointment? You just walk in, you, oh. you drive by. If there's a couple of cars there, you keep driving and get a donut. Then you come back, right? Come right. on. And, right. and I think it was, I think he was into it for $67 with a, with a $2 uh, credit card debit charge or something, you know, and yeah. he said in Washington, it was 1600. And when he was in California, it was nearly 5,000 Yeah, and like to renew your car. Yes. Yes. That is oh, correct. Lord. Yeah. So they get you one place or the other, but you know, um, as a senior, you can, uh, over age 65, you can lock in your taxes. Mm -hmm. You, um, you've got the homestead tax credit of a few hundred dollars to, to kind of help compensate too. So, um, our, our tax situation in Arkansas is very favorable for most of these people coming from out of state. Well, let me ask also, so the, and, and it's a mixed bag, the valuations in the state of Arkansas, there's a law that says every three years, all 75 counties in the state of Arkansas have to reevaluate their properties. Okay. Well, they can do a third every year or they can wait three years and do it all. 
Well, in this instance, because of the pandemic and everything else, it was pretty convenient to wait three years and just do it all. Well, yeah. now people are sitting on more house than they thought they did, and they get a bill that goes up, let's be frank, $120 a year, something like this. But they get this bill that goes up, but it says their house valuation has gone up this, but their taxes didn't go up correspondingly. How does that work? What's that bracket for older citizens? Well, I don't, if they've frozen it, it, it won't go up at all unless they've made an improvement on the house. So I don't know if that is that what you're referring to? Well, I thought there was a deal for senior citizens. It could only go up 10% a year or something. I thought that was like a it was like a granny clause. And I knew that that was no. Am I am I dreaming that up? You may have to edit this out because I don't know the answer to that question. Okay. So, okay. No, no, I'm not going to be the tech tax expert. And that's why I refer to somebody like your wife, like so. a CPA, like a CPA. Right. I got it. I got it. Well, no. So overall, uh, weather, taxes, location, uh, market, I, I would just, it's me. Okay. Uh, today is a Monday. Today is the second Monday of third Monday of the, of August. Um, I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, yesterday on a Sunday, Diane and I got in our little car, drove 11 miles north, and we're in 1.8 million acres of national forest surrounded by pristine wildlife in every direction. We see bear, we see fox, we see deer. It's just, it's incredible. And we're 11 miles away from that. And it's just pristinely quiet and beautiful. And, And I don't think you know, this, this is more particular to hot springs village than it is to Arkansas, but, uh, I, I, and you haven't seen it yet. We haven't had it out yet. We had uh, Congressman Bozeman on the other day, who was the only, I asked him, I said, is it true? You're the only registered forester in the Congress. He said, yes, I'm the only registered forester in the Congress and I'm the only engineer in the Congress. And he said, there was another guy who was going for an engineering degree, but he backed out and became an attorney. And I was like, ah, waste of good brain power, you know, another, who needs another attorney, right? Right. But he gave us the stats that 87% of Arkansas is timber. 87% is timber. 12% is agri. 1% is urban. 1%. So when I have people email me from the West coast or even the East coast, and they say, well, what's the smog like in Arkansas? And I'm like, (laughs) It's, it's, it's as, as, as the British guy in Gibraltar told me, it's not a thing here. It's no, not really a no. thing. No, not at all. Not, not a bit, not a bit, not, not compared to Seattle and some other places. N- yeah. Not on the same scale, <laughs> not even on the scale. <laughs> well, I tell you what, for hot Springs village inside out, Dennis Simpson, Mr. Rick Marshall, we're talking about what the benefits are of living in Arkansas and an investment strategy. We will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.